That's Chat is brought to you by Walters. Experience the UEFA Champions League final like never before at Walters Sports Bar. Join Walters this Saturday at 3 p.m. as Walters will broadcast the thrilling clash between Manchester City and Inter Milan with one of the largest TVs in D.C. measuring at over 200 inches. You'll be immersed in every exhilarating moment. Take your pick of seating options both inside and outside and enjoy the match with top-notch sound and unparalleled visuals. See you at Walters Sports Bar for an unforgettable Champions League final experience. Registrants will receive a free $5 beer wall card. Visit waltersdc.com slash events. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the pitch. Swing and a long drive to left field. This is deep. Carroll going back, way back at the warning track at the wall, and it is gone! Goodbye! A grand slam for Stone Garrett! Bang! Zoom goes Stone Garrett's slam home run against his best friend in baseball and the Nationals take the lead four to one now the set of the pitch swinging a line drive base hit past the diving Smith toward the right field line rounding third is Walker coming home and the throw will go to second and on at first with a single to right and a run batted in is Gabriel Moreno his second run scoring single in as many innings and the Diamondbacks Scored the first run of the game in the first inning and played it two here in the fifth to regain the lead. It's Arizona five and Washington four. Perdomo dancing off the bag. Cool holds, fires. The runner doesn't go, and it's driven in the air to deep left center field. Call racing back at the warning track. He leaps at the wall, and it's gone. It's a two-run homer for Paven Smith in and out of the first row of seats in left center field. It's an opposite field home run for Paven Smith, making this a 10-5 Diamondbacks lead. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, June 7th, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So the Nats on Tuesday night got a first inning grand slam from Stone Garrett, held a 4-1 lead in the fourth inning, but ended up losing and actually ended up losing in pretty decisive fashion. Uh, Such is life when your bullpen is a problem, although the Nats starting pitching on Tuesday night wasn't exactly great. A 10-5 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park in Game 1 of a three-game series. The Nats now have lost six of their last eight games, uh, now are 25-35. and 35. That is the second-worst record in the National League. The Diamondbacks now are alone in first in the National League West. We on Tuesday night saw four Nats pitchers combined to issue eight walks, five of which came from the bullpen. We on Tuesday night saw these four Nats pitchers combine to throw a whopping 182 pitches. 
it is true that the Nats offense didn't do much outside of two homers. But uh, Mark, it's also true that scoring five runs usually should be enough to win. But on Tuesday night, five runs were nowhere near enough runs to win this game. No. And, you know, I think we talked a week or two ago about this tough stretch of schedule that was coming up against mostly contenders and thinking, okay, this could be a rough stretch for them. I'm not so much surprised at the end result. I am surprised at how they've gotten there because they have hit okay in most of these games. They are not pitching and they are especially not getting quality pitching out of their bullpen. And this one snuck up on me. I know we kind of alluded to it or you did the other day, but they now have the worst bullpen ERA and the worst bullpen whip in the National League. That's how bad it's gotten and it only got worse in this one. And not just getting hit hard, but it was ugly the way they went about it. Walks, hit by pitch, an inexcusable balk. There's a lot to get to on this, but I'll just say if anybody watched or listened to Davey Martinez's post-game press conference, he was about as visibly and publicly frustrated as I've seen him after a loss in six seasons on the job. I mean, we got to get those guys in swing mode early, but we got to pound the strike zone. I mean, we did that early and we pitched really well. And it's not everybody. You know, some guys are, some guys are, are doing well, but uh, some of the other guys, and they know who they are, they got to start throwing strikes. This is kind of a quirky way to evaluate things, but if you're tracking the times of Nationals games, the times of the games have shot up lately. And the reason for that is that the Nats pitching has become a real problem. And so you're having games here in which pitchers are throwing a lot of pitches or laboring. And, you know, the pitch clock system can't control how many pitches get thrown in a game. And so we are now seeing more and more game times in the neighborhood of what we saw these last few seasons, as opposed to what we were seeing earlier this season. And it is rough. I mean, eight walks from four Nats pitchers, five coming from relievers in this game, three Nats relievers in the game combined to allow six runs, five earned in five innings on seven hits, five walks, a hit by pitch. And uh, as Mark just mentioned, the oh so wonderful balk. The culprits were two of the relievers, Erasmo Ramirez and Chad Cool. Thaddeus Ward was good, but Erasmo Ramirez, man. So he officially allowed two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He faced six batters, but got just two outs. He threw 16 pitches, eight strikes versus eight balls. Came into the game, top of the fifth, the runner on first, no outs. Nats up 4-3. He then issued a hit-by-pitch, committed a balk, issued a walk, and gave up two RBI sacrifice flies and two singles. Remember, Erasmo last season was really good. 60 games, 86 into third innings, an ERA at 292. Erasmo now, this season, 23 games, 27 innings, an ERA of 633. We can get to Chad Cool in a moment, but man, this fall-off of Erasmo Ramirez really is something. And he's not a big strikeout guy, so there probably was going to be a uh, regression to the mean for Erasmo this season off what he did last season. But man, that is a stark difference, Erasmo 2022 versus Erasmo in 2023. He may not be a strikeout guy, but he is a strike thrower. And that was not at all who he was in this one. He was so off. The very first pitch, hit by pitch. The next pitch almost hit the next batter, and then you had the balk after that. And just to go through that, because I'm sure everybody watching it was thinking, why is he attempting to pick off a trailing runner at first base and ultimately didn't throw it because Dom Smith was nowhere close to the base? It sounds like this was a pitchcom issue. He got the signal in his head that said pick off first, and he turned and stepped off the mound and looked to throw to first and there's nobody there and he had to stop. And that's why there's the balk. I think what they were actually going for there was the back pick to first 
after the pitch was thrown that Dom Smith would run to first, Cabert Ruiz would then throw it over there. For some reason, Erasmo interpreted that as pick off the first without ever throwing the ball, not thinking about the fact, why would you ever pick off a trailing runner knowing that the guy isn't holding him on? And that to be almost said at all that his head's not in the right space right now. He is not feeling right out there at all. That was such an ugly inning. You're talking about Davey pulls Jake Irvin one batter into the fifth inning, goes to Erasmo Ramirez. The idea is this guy should be able to give you two innings at least and get you to the late innings in what's still a close game. And instead, he couldn't even finish that inning. And this is just the latest in a series of rough outings for him. He is not in a good place right now. You could tell talking to him afterwards, he's searching for answers. I don't know what that answer is. I don't know how much longer the Nats stick with it. We saw them make a move after Sunday's game when Andres Machado struggled to that extent. So we'll see where this goes from here. But I expected regression from Erasmo Ramirez. I think a lot of people did. But right now, he is in a really bad place. So Erasmo on Tuesday night was bad. And then we had Chad Cool. So, you know, Chad Cool actually been doing all right in his role as a reliever, albeit uh, via a small sample size. Chad Cool in this game on Tuesday night, four runs, three earned in two and a third innings. He threw 54 pitches, 27 strikes versus 27 balls. Cool uh, in the top of the six allowed two runs, one earned on a fielding error by shortstop C.J. Abrams, two walks and a one-out bases loaded two-run single by Josh Rojas for an 8-5 Diamondbacks lead. And Cool in the top of the seventh gave up a two-run opposite field home run by Paven Smith to left center field for a 10-5 Diamondbacks lead. I mentioned Thaddeus Ward. He was good. Two scoreless innings with three strikeouts. But Erasmo Ramirez and Chad Cool not good. The collapse of this Nats bullpen continues. The Nats now in this season, a relief pitching ERA of 483. A relief pitching whip of 146. As Mark mentioned earlier, worst numbers in the National League. And, you know, we keep getting back to this of like, well, what can you do? Okay, the Nats on Tuesday DFA'd Andres Machado, recalled Jordan Weems from AAA Rochester. Fine. I mean, it feels like six and one, half dozen in the other, but we'll see. You know, we do have this Sean Doolittle situation, his comeback from the left elbow injury. But, you know, Doolittle on Tuesday night gave up a two-run homer in pitching for AA Harrisburg. We got this news on Tuesday afternoon in Davies pregame presser, Victor Rano, who's been on the 60-day injured list uh, since opening day. He's going to need right shoulder surgery. He had been on the 60-day IL with a right shoulder string. You know, you do have Tanner Rainey and his comeback from Tommy John surgery, but you know, that's not around the corner in terms of him pitching at the major league level. And so, yeah, I mean, if this thing is going to get better, I think it's going to be because guys get better you know, like someone like Erasmo Ramirez. But right now, it doesn't feel like we're close to that. No, it doesn't. And unfortunately, the best answer to it all, and I'm not saying this is a great chance of happening, the best answer might be for the starters to be able to go deeper in games and take some of the pressure off. And maybe he doesn't have to call on one of those guys on a given night, and he can just go to two or three and hope that he doesn't burn out all his top guys and that they can get the job done. I mean, of all of them, I think Mason Thompson is the one that you would love to see recapture something from what he had in April. That has been a huge drop off from a guy who looked so good early on. The others are mostly meant to be the middle inning guys, the you know get you through to the late inning ones, often when you're trailing. So not that you don't want improvement from them all, but they aren't really the most important part of the bullpen. You need the top three, but really you need at least a fourth, if not a fifth, that you can trust in spots. And I'd put Mason Thompson high on the list. Maybe Sean Doolittle, when he does come back, can be on that list, depending on how he does. We still don't know how he's going to look when he gets out there. It's tough. The walks, 
are killer. The stolen bases that they're just giving away without even trying to hold them on. You put that all together and it's really an ugly situation right now. And, you know, it's one thing you say, okay, they got hit around by the Dodgers and, you know, Dimebacks are a good team, but you're giving away the free passes. I, I thought that stuck to me most with what Davey Martinez said. He was asked about the stolen bases and he said, you know, the best way to not give up stolen bases, don't walk guys. So that was him clearly aggravated with free passes, with a lack of execution on his pitcher's part. I think he can tolerate getting hit a little more than he can tolerate just giving away free bases the way these guys have. Davey also referenced the Nats needing to get back to catching the baseball. And we've seen the fielding drop off a bit. And it's not like the Nats have had, you know, a truckload of errors. But boy, it feels like so many of these recent errors have been like costly errors, errors that have come in run scoring innings for opposing teams. We've seen that with C.J. Abrams. We saw that in this game on Tuesday night. We saw that in this game with an ad starting pitcher on Tuesday night, Jake Urban. He struggled again. Jake allowed four runs in four innings. He gave up five hits. All of them were singles, but he issued three walks. He recorded just one strikeout, although he did actually throw a good number of strikes. 83 pitches, 59 strikes versus 24 balls. Uh, Irvin in the top of the first allowed a run on two singles and a walk. Irvin in the top of the fourth allowed two runs on three singles and a throwing error that he committed as uh, Irvin on a leadoff bunt single by Josh Rojas toward first base committed a throwing error. Irvin has committed a few errors here. If, if you go back and you look at his outings, he's had some problems fielding his position. And then this was pretty notable. Irvin in what ended up being a three-run Diamondbacks fifth issued a leadoff hit by pitch at Corbin Carroll. And then got pulled from the game. Davey was done with Jake Irvin. Were you at all surprised that Davey pulled Irvin when Davey did? Well, I was um, in that typically I don't like the idea of a guy's rope is so short that he gets to start an inning, but one batter reaches and that's the end of it. Now, Davey explained afterwards that they really are trying to limit his pitch count right now and that he probably wasn't going to go beyond about 85 or so. So we got to 83. So at that point, they're saying, okay, well, you know, that's it. Now, if he had you know, giving up a leadoff single on the first pitch, maybe he get to face one more bat or something like that. So it sounds like it was that more than anything. Now, Irvin did not look real pleased coming off the mound, being taken out at that point. You could tell even post-game, he was kind of frustrated as well. He pointed out, and he had, there's some merit to this, that there was a little bit of bad luck. There was a ground ball that where the second baseman normally plays. They were shifted around. There was a little blooper to center field. Alex Call was playing deep, couldn't get there in time. So he's not wrong about all that, but he also walked three batters and hit a batter and was given a 4-1 lead and didn't really do a great job of maintaining that and getting deeper in the game, pitch count or not. I mean, he was still at 75 pitches through four innings. That's not going to cut it in the long run. This is his eighth career start. There's been some good, but there's been more bad than good here lately. I'm not sure how much longer the rope is. I think you still want to try a little bit more. I'm not sure there's somebody just waiting in the wings that has to be moved into that spot. But at some point, you want to see some more positive results here. And we're not seeing that from him right now. I think I'd be willing to give him more of a benefit of the doubt for the five singles if the overall results had been better. Because he's right. I mean, you give up five singles, it's really not getting like tattooed in a game. But the numbers are ugly. Seven starts, ERA is 610 whip of 168. This is reminding me of Yoan Adone, where like initially the guy looks all right. And then as time goes on, it becomes almost like untenable to where you're just like, we want you to stay in the rotation because you're young and have upside. 
but we can't continue to put you out there because the results are really rough. And I do wonder if we're getting to that here with Jake Irvin. I mean, if you take out that great outing that he had in San Francisco, that 5-1 win at the Giants on May 8th, he was really good in that game. Six and a third shutout innings, five strikeouts. You take that out, there really has not been that much good for Irvin so far at the major league level. And so if not for a lack of other viable starting pitching options, I think he almost certainly would be out of the rotation. But to your point, who are you going to put in there? I mean, it's easy to say, get him out. Who are you putting in? There isn't an obvious person to put in. No. And, you know, the candidates are going to be veterans. It's going to be Paolo Espino, Corey Abbott, uh, Willie Peralta or somebody like that. So unless they want to rush another kid to the big leagues, and I don't think they do, I think it'll be a little while until we see something there. But it's funny you mentioned Adone because I had the same sort of thought. Adone in his major league debut, remember game 162 against the Red Sox looked great. You thought, oh, wow, they may have something here. Next thing you know, he makes the opening day rotation and then really was not good. And they stuck with him for quite a while. It was two plus months before he finally went down. Now, in this case, Irvin the second start is so good, and it just puts a thought in your head of, hey, maybe this guy really is good. They may have something here. And you remember that if he had three or four bad starts and then one good one, you might not give it as much credence. When it happens early, it's kind of like a guy who has a great April. You remember that, and then you don't realize all of a sudden you look up one day, and you know he's hitting 217 in July, and you forget about how he started the year. So there's a little bit of that going on here. Now, I think you give him at least a few more But obviously, they're watching his pitch count, knowing that he's not going to make it through a whole season, whether it's at the major league level or the minor league level. If he continues to struggle, there's going to be a case to be made. You might as well send him down where he can be in a more controlled environment, pulled after four or five innings, no matter the score, without it drawing a lot of attention. It's just a question of who you're going to call up at that point, and how does that fit in both your short-term plan and your long-term plan? Yeah, Yohan Adon last season ended up making 14 starts, so he got a pretty good look-see, but he ended up having an ERA over seven. I think it's telling that we're not even talking about Adon as an option for this season. Adon's ERA for AAA Rochester this season is over five, so things are not going so well for him. And uh, yeah, I think basically by default right now, Jake Irvin is going to continue to stay in the rotation, but you know, for how much longer, we'll see, because the results do need to get better at some point. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, we all know what summer means. Uh, Summer means baseball. Summer usually means more home runs in baseball, but uh, summer also means heat and humidity and your energy bills being rather high due to your air conditioning working extra innings. It is time to beat the heat with Window Nation's summer sale. Save thousands of dollars with an outstanding offer. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. All you have to do is call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Increase the value of your home by up to $12,000. Hey, make your neighbors jealous. Who doesn't want to do that? Again, the Window Nation summer sale. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years. Plus, Two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. 
Getting tickets to sporting events has changed from the old days. There are more options than ever before, but game time stands out above the rest. If you need last-minute tickets to the ballpark or any other local sporting event, visit GameTime.co. They even have options to purchase parking. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the wind and the 1-1. Swing and a long drive to left field. Way back. Going, going. And long gone. Goodbye. And we are a one-run game again. Bang. Zoom goes Lane Thomas with his ninth home run of the year. A no-doubter over the visitors' bullpen in and out of section 102. And it's now Arizona 6 and Washington 5. Well, the Nats in this 10-5 loss to the Diamondbacks on Tuesday night hit two home runs. We like that, but did very little offensively beyond the homers. Although the homers did include a grand slam. That was great. The former Diamondback, Stone Garrett, he is an ad starting left fielder and number five batter, one for two, with the one being a grand slam. Garrett in an ad's four-run first, a one-out grand slam to left field on a one-two pitch for a 4-1 Nats lead. I mean, if you're watching this game, you see that, you say, all right, you know, we are in route uh, to a route of a victory for the Nats in this game. Of course, it ended up not being the case, but you know, with Stone Garrett, the grand slam came off the Diamondback starting pitcher, Tommy Henry, a lefty. We've talked about how Davey is basically platooning right now with Stone Garrett facing lefty pitchers, and the numbers for Stone against lefties are quite good. Stone Garrett now, this season, an OPS of 820 against lefty pitchers. Yeah, and it's why I think as we get close to Victor Robles coming back from the IL and there's a decision that has to be made, who is going to stay, who's going to be part of the left field platoon with Corey Dickerson, I think there's more of a case right now for Stone Garrett than for Alex Call. I think at this point, offense has to trump defense. And if that's the case, I think you definitely would go with Garrett. He has shown he can hit lefties, righties not so much, but he shouldn't be getting that many at-bats versus righties. That's pretty much Dickerson. And did you notice in this game, Davey flipped him once the Dimebacks went to the bullpen, brought in the righty. It was Dickerson in there to pinch hit for him and actually a big spot and wound up striking out and then went 0 for 2 in the game. So Davey's clearly treating that as a straight lefty righty platoon. 
right now, if that's the way you're going to proceed going forward, I think Garrett is more likely to stay or I think it deserves more to stay. I know Alex Call does other things for you, defense, base running, all that. But if Victor Robles is playing center field every day for you, I'm not sure there's a lot of need for an Alex Call on this team. I'm looking for offense and for power, something that Stone Garrett does provide. I really like the idea of a platoon that works well. And we've seen the Rays and Dodgers do this to where if you have a guy face lefties and you have another guy for facing righties, and at the end of the season, you add up what those guys do, you can end up with two mediocre players having really good results. I think that's such a smart way of doing things. And the left fielder numbers for this Nat season are kind of skewed because we have seen a good bit of Alex Cole in left field. But I wonder if over a sustained period of time this season, if you did this thing of Garrett versus lefties, Dickerson versus righties, you might end up with actually pretty productive overall left fielder numbers for the season. I think you would. Dickerson's been pretty good against righties. Not great. He's tailed off somewhat. He started off really good when he came back from the injury. Not as much lately. They've faced a good number of lefties, which is unusual. It feels like every series they're facing at least one and often two. So that does provide opportunities for Garrett. And as we've talked about, this team does a lot better against lefty pitchers for whatever reason than righties. Yeah, I agree. I would be interested to see at the end of the year how that all worked out. Although, There's going to be a question of Dickerson come the end of July if he is healthy and performing. Is there any trade value on him? But for now, yeah, I think I would prioritize Garrett's offensive potential over Call's more well-rounded game. Now, there's another case you can be made here to say keep them both and drop Michael Chavis, who hardly ever plays. But I think we've seen that Davey does prioritize having that other guy who can play the infield in case of emergency. It doesn't happen a lot. But they seem to think that that's important to have another one there. Otherwise, I would say Call could be a perfectly good pinch runner and occasional player off the bench. But I don't sense that that's the way they're going to go with this. The Chavis thing is odd. He rarely plays. I mean, it's, it seems almost pointless to have him around. And, you know, you may even be able to bring him back if you really needed to. If somehow, you know, some screaming need emerged for you to get another infielder. The Nats' other home run on Tuesday night, Lane Thomas. He went two for four with a solo homer, a single, a stolen base, and a couple of strikeouts. A lane in the Nats, one run fifth, a leadoff homer to left field to cut the Nats' deficit to 6-5. This was some shot by Lane, 428 feet per stat cast. He in the Nats, four run first, had a leadoff full count single into left center and stole third base. Otherwise, there was not much else happening for the Nats offensively in this game. The Nats for this game, just seven hits, did have three walks. The Nats' uh, only other extra base hit in this game was a double by K. Bert Ruiz to begin the bottom of the fourth. This was reminiscent of some games we saw earlier this season where the Nats do some real damage early in the game and then go silent over the course of the rest of the game. I mean, you had four runs in uh, the bottom of the first inning on Tuesday night. You then had another run off the Lane Thomas homer in the bottom of the fifth, and that was it. Scoreless innings for the Nats offense and a lot of like quick innings, a lot of uh, like one, two, three innings for the Nats in this game. Especially in the later innings when they're down five runs, it felt like they were swinging at the first pitch. They were making quick outs. There were a couple of double play grounders early on in the count. Maybe they're just trying to be aggressive. Maybe you're trying to get back in the game, but it did feel a little bit like once they were down 10-5 and the pace that that game was going, that some guys sort of decided, okay, well, it's not going to happen for us tonight. We'll just get them tomorrow. Yeah, it was not good. C.J. Abrams had another rough game, 0 for 4. He's been struggling. He was actually down in the number nine spot in this game. Dominic Smith went 0 for 3 with a walk. Dominic Smith, you know, we talked the other day about Joey Manessa's fascinating offensive profile for this season. 
Dominic Smith has a 350 on base percentage, which is good. His slugging is down to 303. He is in danger of having a slugging percentage in the 200s. A slugging percentage in the 300s is atrocious. A slugging percentage in the 200s, I don't even know if there's an appropriate word for that, but that is something because again, 350 on base is good. Like I give him credit for that, but he's not hitting for any power at all. And as a first baseman, that's the last thing you can afford to have happen. The other thing that he has really struggled with is runners in scoring position. Coming into the day, nine for 50, that's a 180 batting average, zero extra base hits in those situations. So his slugging with runners in scoring position is 180. That just does not cut it. And look, the defense has been good. I think there's value in that. But this was what his 36th consecutive game started at first base. It may be appropriate here at some point to give him a day off. I don't know you're going to lose that much if you were to sit him, put Joey Manessis at first, and let somebody else DH. Yeah, is Davey trying to challenge uh, Lou Gehrig for consecutive games for a first baseman? Like, why are we seeing Dominic Smith every single game? What is the deal with that? Yeah, it is definitely going for the iron horse here. No, no, actually, no. You know, I asked him about this the other day. There's two things going on. One, the defense, he is valuing that. And I get that. He saves C.J. Abrams in particular, but also Garcia and Candelario from committing errors. Although he's been a little sloppy here lately himself, Dom Smith. He has not been super clean at first base in the last week or so. So there's that. This is the weird part of it is I told you they've been facing lefties a lot. You would think, oh, well, that's a perfect opportunity to let Dom Smith, a left-handed hitter, take a seat. He's actually hit much better against lefties than righties this season. So I think there's a reluctance to sit him on those days if you actually think he's going to be more productive at the plate. At some point, though, I think you just ignore all that and say, the guy could use a day off. This isn't some Iron Man and certainly not some guy who is so well-established and performs so well that you say he's got to be in the lineup every single day. I assume it will happen here at some point, I think they can get by with Joey Manessis at first base for a day if need be. I don't think that's going to kill them as a team. All right. And one more thing. You mentioned Victor Robles. So this installment of the podcast is for June 7th. Robles was placed on the 10-day injured list with what were called back spasms on May 8th, retroactive to May 7th. So it now has been a full month of Robles on the 10-day IL. Where is he at? How soon might he be back? Yeah, that injury happened when the Nats were in Arizona, remember? So that's more than a month ago when they faced each other there. The good news, he looks really good. He did full pregame everything before this one. BP, running, and uh, shagging flies. Sounds like a couple of days of that, and then they're going to go send him on a rehab assignment. So I think he's going to be playing in minor league games by the end of the week. And if that all goes well, I could see him coming back maybe next week when the team's in Houston at worst next weekend when they come back home. So I think they're getting close now. I think physically he's ready to go. Now it's just playing in some baseball games, getting his feet back under him, his legs, you know, playing nine innings, all that kind of stuff, which should happen over the next week or so. You can find us on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email us NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show. We'd love to have you on board. Email Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. That email address is NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website too, NatsChatPodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark. For the Nats Chat Podcast music, visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. 
Ramon Vasquez on the lines at first in the pitch. Swing and a miss at a slider. And down goes Kike Hernandez. That ball is immediately underhanded by Avila to the Nationals' bat boy. That'll be authenticated as well as the first strikeout of the Major League career of Yoan Adonan. What a breaking ball that was. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.